inflation and why Putin's not to blame, the Keystone Pipeline and its overall importance, and your tax dollars hard at work buying NFL stadiums. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. I don't have like a whole like agenda planned for today. So um, I think Kevin said it earlier, this can just be the Anything Goes podcast. Yeah, kind of some freedom to talk about more than we normally do. Maybe. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's a good Friday. It is a good Friday. That is technically good Friday. So it's a good, good Friday. Cubs are still in first place. With a record of? I don't remember, I, honestly, as of right now. I think it's four and one. Really? They've yeah. only lost one game? Yeah. Red Sox, on the other hand, prior to today's game, whatever's happening now, we're three and three. Eh, but Penguins are in... Okay, so oh, this so is hockey, important. now you've lost. <clears throat> I don't, happen, I don't know you, what happens on ice. I don't get that. But you will understand this. So the Pittsburgh Penguins have now been in the playoffs for 16 years consecutively, and that is more than any other North American franchise, any sport, currently. Like, nobody's up to that level. Well, now, I would not have guessed that one. Okay. Nice little nugget there. Now, the bad news is whether the Penguins are good enough to win the Stanley Cup is debatable. There's so many good teams. Well, that's why I'm just relishing where the Cubs are at right now. Because <laughs> come All-Star break, it's not going to... That just goes downhill at that point. <laughs> I can start off with my first question, if we want to do that. Fire away. Um, this this is more on like a federal level, but I'm sure Gary can tie this into Tennessee somehow. And you know, if we had a phone number, this would be a great episode. Oh, it'd be a great call-in. <laughs> it would be a great... We should start doing call-ins. <laughs> right. I would love it. I'll get that set up. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk about inflation... Because it's at the highest it's been since, what, like 1981 or something like that? Yeah, 40-some years. And then there's a lot of spin from the current administration saying that most of this is, if not all of it, is Putin's fault for invading Ukraine. We which, should have a little laugh track that when you right. say stuff like that, it goes, bah, ha, ha. Uh, Which we all know <laughs> is not true. Um, but I think, at least for me, like I'm not economically trained or I didn't even take any economic courses in college so like i don't i don't understand a lot of the economics of the world and the country so like what is driving this inflation for those of us out there who don't understand we understand it's not putin he's not driving our inflation in this country but what what is causing all of this many factors um monetary policy obviously is the root of it and a monetary policy that in the united states has been ever since we got off the gold standard and we won't go down the road of talking about the details of the gold standard today. But ever since we got off the gold standard under Richard Nixon— Is that just like in the, the, 70s. the American dollar backed by gold? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So once they decided, nah, we don't need to have it backed by gold, then the ability to print money endlessly became a an addiction. I mean, it was always an addiction for government anyway, but it became a real bad addiction uh, once we got off the gold standard. And so in economic terms— you have a, th- a concept which is too many dollars chasing too few goods. Mm. That's the basic reason for inflation. And then you add to that, like throwing fuel on the fire, when you have people who are in office who, who are spending the money, who believe, and this you go back to, this was during the Trump administration when AOC, when was she elected? Was that 18? 2018, I think. Oh, like it was 18, yeah. She was asked how she was going to accomplish the Green New Deal, which was which first surfaced during her first term. 
And she said, well, we print money, of course. And she she said it with no hint of, I mean, she had no shame. She had no, she wasn't kidding. She actually said, well, we've got a machine and we print money. This is what the federal government does. And she really believed that that was the way you make people wealthy. When in fact, it's the opposite. When you print money, the more money you print, the less valuable it is, the more dollars it takes to actually buy goods and services. So that's the big picture. Mm. Now let's enter COVID. And the federal government, first of all, told all of us or most of us that we were non-essential. You have to quit working, can't make a living. So we're going to take away 100% of your revenue and we're going to give you back a very, 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 very tiny slice of that revenue in the form of a loan or loans from the federal government, which was more printing money mm. policy, right? Just went crazy with this um, pouring of cash into the marketplace. And so then you have you have on steroids, you have monetary policy that now is bad monetary policy on steroids, which led to the next problem which people were getting more money to stay at home than to actually go to work. And we talked about, right before we went on the air here, we talked about locally at Five Guys, one of my favorite fast food restaurants, um, has become extremely expensive. I think it's $8, eight and change to buy even their smallest hamburger, little, little cheeseburger. But the reason for that is because Five Guys is also, at least they were um, a month or two ago, Offering people jobs, starting wages at Five Guys, $21 an hour. Now, this is, this is a fast food restaurant where people used to complain about, oh, we need to have minimum wage be $15 an hour. And, and people who work in the fast food restaurants are not getting paid enough. You have Five Guys begging people to come and work. And to do that, they have to offer $21 an hour. Why? Because the federal government, in its terrible monetary policy, has given people so much cash, which in the short term is going to benefit them, only the short term, because eventually that cash has no value, rewarding them to stay at home. They get paid more to stay at home than to work, which causes the employer, and John, you even said it, I'll let you talk about it, it's hard for you to get employees to work at the wages even you would have offered two or three years ago, mm -hmm. because... There's easy access to cash. That doesn't mean easy access to wealth. It actually means the opposite. And I'll add one more piece to it. The price of everything is going up. And all that means is that, does that mean, for example, that a bowl of soup or a piece of meat is actually more valuable than it was last year? Or a house, right? Is your house really twice as valuable as it was two years ago? Well, it may appear that way because the listing price or the appraisal says it is, but what that really means is, no, your dollars are half the value yeah. that they were. So it's incredibly discouraging, and I don't see an end to it. You're eventually going to see a collapse um, of society because you can't spend – I mean, Greece went through it, and every society that just spends in a bad habit, like our government leaders and – and they do it at state level too, which Gary's going to talk about. So a collapse of government, like what does that look like? Initially, it looks like Greece. I think it could look like Rome of the um, – <laughs> when Rome completely collapsed. Every, every society that has collapsed, there's been a monetary aspect to it. Mm -hmm. It's not just the, it, the social and the monetary are all connected. But when people have to take wheelbarrows 
I mean, we even think about it from the Depression. You know, my dad, who was born in 1919, passed away in 2011. He would tell about uh, the people who were jumping out of buildings, killing themselves because they had no money, mortgaging properties because they they had a, an abundance of wealth and all of that was destroyed and eviscerated by terrible monetary policy. And it makes people desperate. And they would they would line up with wheelbarrows of cash, right, to buy a loaf of bread. That's social discord at a maximum level. Mm. So uh, I, when I asked this question before we got on the air, um, your Gary, your first response was that the first thing these, this administration did when it came into office was kill the Keystone Pipeline. Yeah. So is that... And, and actually... They put pressure and and regulated and made it uh, almost impossible to drill anywhere. Not just the, right. the Keystone Pipeline is is more of a, it's the headline grabbing portion of that. Right. But the reality is the Biden administration has been anti oil and gas as all progressives and leftists are, except for themselves. Of course, they want to fly on their private jets. But you and I are supposed to ride our bicycles. And uh, have a solar panel maybe on our hat, a little propeller hat to help mm. us go down the street. But yes, I just wanted to make it clear before before Gary proceeded that it's it's about all energy policy. So two questions. Anytime that uh, why is this inflation actually happening? The Keystone Pipeline is always the first thing that comes up. So why is that such a big deal? And two, why is it such a uh, forefront initiative of this administration to kill stuff like that? Like, I get it. There's this whole, maybe maybe this is the reason why. Maybe it's this whole virtue signal thing that it's better for the environment, blah, 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 blah. But it feels like there's something deeper than that of why they're trying to kill this whole drilling and being self-sufficient on our own energy. Well, I actually think it's quite simple. I think this administration and the left has a clear agenda to destroy America. I mean, yeah. that's that's the root, right? I mean, we want, no, I not we, <laughs> the, they. The, they, the administration that's currently in this White House, they want global policy. They want one world government. So, so in order you have to, to kill this. You have to kill America, you know. And so to me, I, I agree with everything Kevin said, but I, I would say what undergirds all of that, in my opinion, is our energy policy. And, you know, this goes back to Sarah Palin, you know, back in the day when she was saying, drill, baby, drill, baby, drill, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's just true. And when Trump was in office, you know, <clears throat> like it or not, you saw we were utilizing all of these opportunities on our coastline, uh, including the Keystone Pipeline project. And for the first, I think, if I remember right, for the first time in American history, we became the lead exporter of oil. We were actually a net exporter. Yeah, we, had, right. not, we had not been a net, net exporter um, ever for, or, or ever or long certainly time. a long time yeah. yeah so now and and all that trump did was permitted a little bit of freedom to drill the oil that we have we have more oil resources in the united states of america than we would have from any than you can get from saudi arabia than you'd get from russia any of those other countries we've never needed their oil we wouldn't need their oil and the reason that they are against it, of course, is because when we flood the market with our oil, it depresses their prices. That's right. And there's a national security element to this as well. When we use our own oil, thereby diminishing oil prices and demand for oil all across the world, the terrorists cannot raise as much money to fund mm-hmm. terrorism. There you go. So instead, to your point, John, it's a very good question. Why would anybody who loves America 
and respects our sovereignty and wants to live in a free and civil society, why would they purposely destroy our energy policy and make us subservient to these other countries? Which is ironic, isn't it? At the same time, we are we are stopping our own drilling. We're not really serious about our uh, lack or, or our intention to not use oil because immediately after after saying we're not going to buy any Russian oil, the Biden administration goes to all of the Arab countries and said, mm-hmm. please sell us oil. Now, this is absurd. They claim that the reason we're not drilling oil in the United States of America is because of environmental concerns, but it's okay to buy oil from another country who's drilling it under, by the way, far dirtier conditions and no environmental concerns. It just it just totally puts to bed any idea that the people on the left are honest about their intentions. At the bottom of the day, at the end of the day, and the bottom line is that, as Gary said, their desire is to destroy America as founded so that they can have global power. Um, and we are the last bastion of freedom, what little freedoms we have left, to be able to act as a bulwark against this global cabal. Yeah, and again, you know, under the Trump administration, it's undeniable that our economy was booming, housing market was booming, jobs were booming, more more job growth than we had seen you know, in decades, even coming out of uh, the recession that we were in under the Obama administration. So it was really quick, expedient growth. Um, again, all having to do with our energy policy. And so I'll, I'll just hit this point. It's interesting that whenever Biden came to office, the very first thing he did in office was stop the drilling and kill the Keystone Pipeline. Mm-hmm. That that was that was day one of. Was that Executive Order One? Yeah, it well, might have, I don't I know think, if it was actually one, but it was right up I, there. I think the Keystone Pipeline specifically was like one or two. It was first day, wow. the first Definitely. thing he did. Wow. So I mean, you know, when you have when you when you see what that energy policy was doing to the country, and you realize it, it really undergirded the growth that we were under, and you see. Biden come in and kill that day one. Well, it's really it's really clear then at that point what their intentions are because they they know the math, and um and so here we are. You know, after that, everything's becoming more expensive. We just talked about this in Tennessee. How do we relieve Tennesseans through this increase? There was a bill submitted, I believe, by Representative Bruce Griffey, who usually submits all the good freedom bills that we really wish would all pass but we know this particular legislature is not going to pay any te- any attention because they usually kill freedom loving legislation but the talk was well let's just let's put the gas tax back prior to 2017 in 2017 under the Haslam administration we raised the gas tax mm-hmm. here in Tennessee and that was done by a republican majority and people are suffering through that now and so we there was a request made to just just repeal the gas tax, put it back to where it was previously, give people some relief. Uh, no one liked that. And so the governor has proposed in his new budget that folks get a uh, one month, a one month break on the four cent food tax. That's going to help us all out, y'all. Gimmicks. Yeah. For a all month. Gimmicks. For a month. That's just a, hey, look, I, yeah. did a th- I did the thing. That's right. For 30 days, you get your four cent break. For every four cents on the dollar. That's not even enough time for that to catch up with your budget. Like <laughs> no. Such a gimmick. And it not only is a gimmick, because, you're, John, your reaction is evidence that it is a gimmick. Everybody knows that that's a gimmick. I mean, even I think the 
even the people who want to believe that's going to be a benefit know that it's a gimmick. But it also exposes what the government thinks is its rights versus our rights. For the government to say, it is going to give us a break. For goodness sakes, it's our money. It's not the government's money. So for the government to tell us that they are going to give us a break shows you how convoluted and how entrenched the interests are, and they've forgotten where liberty's source is. They have forgotten where our freedoms um, even have meaning, and they just they just charge ahead with this mindset that the government is God, that the government has control and has the authority to tell us what to do, and as as if we're just sitting waiting for handouts from the government. Ooh, the statement, for a month. the statement really should be, we're going to give you less of our money, right? But let me, so set the table here. Follow me. Tennesseans are struggling under this inflation. Everything's more expensive. Like you said, John, businesses are having trouble hiring because the your ability to charge for your services is not keeping up with what's required to hire good help now. And so businesses are finding themselves, you know, squeezing that bottom line, you know, I mean, real hard. Coupled with a workforce that expects more money because they've been mm-hmm. given more money That's, by the government. So so, the, so you're not getting, when you spend more, you're not getting a better work ethic. Right. You're not getting a, a more skilled employee. Right. Yeah. So another problem. But all of that said, while Tennessee legislators have just can't seem to lower taxes or can't seem to just repeal the gas tax back to what it was just five years ago. (laughs) We have so much money that now we have, instead of giving it back, we've got to find new ways to spend it. And so what do we do? We come up with this grandioso idea in a budget, by the way, that's 25% already more expensive than it was last year. In a year like this year, it's, we're we're spending we're going to spend twenty five percent more, and we're going to give a half billion dollars to the Titans taxpayer money to subsi- subsidize a new ta- um, Titan Stadium in Nashville. Okay, hang hang on though. There, there's more. Wait, I want to I want to ask you something. About <laughs> I, that, I don't want to go past this yet. <laughs> Before you get down the road with that, <clears throat> now twenty five percent larger budget for fiscal year 23, that would be, right? Yeah. Coming out of an environment in which we were all, again, I remind you, declared non-essential, non-essential. not allowed to work. Most of the taxpayers made less money over the last couple of years. But, some some people, but the government think of made all more the restaurants money. that went out of business, and the government made more money, and the government wants to spend more? Sounds fair. Yeah. And where did that come from, Kevin? So what has I have to answer that? Well, <laughs> we can just let the audience answer. Well, so what has that done to our future now? Whenever our budget literally has increased because of the inf- inflow of federal dollars mm-hmm. that have now made us even more subservient to a tyrannical administration, yep. we're going down a really bad path here. So. more, we've got so much money, we don't know what to do with, so we're going to subsidize an NFL team's stadium. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why the hell is the state government involved in building stadiums for sports teams? That's a great question. Do you want the real answer, or do you want what they will tell you? Job growth. It's the economy, John. Don't you get it? That should be done privately. It's going to bring tourism into our state. Done privately. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's always the picking... Uh, winners, right? 
picking and choosing winners and deciding which businesses, which kinds of businesses, which kinds of people are going to get handouts from the rest of the taxpayers. I can, I can almost say with almost certainty that in 1798, is that when our state constitution was written? 96. 96. It was close. Uh, that they did not intend on taxpayer dollars being spent on Mm-mm. stuff like sports teams. But well, there, there again, were, well, there was no such there thing were no as sports income tax. Then, but, uh, well, that's true too. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that was the original <laughs> intention. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I don't think so either. But so to finish that thought, understand, okay, 25% more, more money, let's spend it. Lest you think that the money to give that half billion dollars actually is available completely in the budget. No, it's not. So what did they do this week up at the Capitol in Nashville? Republicans, right? Republicans. A <laughs> Repu- just wanted to remind us. A Republican supermajority just passed a one percentage point tax increase, hotel tax increase in Davidson County to help further subsidize this half billion dollar gift to the Titans for a new stadium, which, of course, you know, this is all an investment, right? Because it's supposed to make us more money. But and, and as I say that, and I was having a conversation about legislator who I'll keep nameless at this point. You know him well. That's, that's not like you. <laughs> you like to name people. Uh, you know, and, I, and we're talking about this and he gets all offended. And it's like, well, this is, to you know, the state is is going to generate a lot of revenue from this. This is a you don't understand, Gary. This is a return on investment. Well, just think about that simple basic principle. Is it government's role because you you're 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 a legislator thinking like a business guy not realizing that you're not running a business that you're dealing with mm-hmm. government. Yeah. Is it the role of a government to generate revenue? And to provide a return on investment? I know who has the answer. <laughs> what? Wait. Okay, sorry. Before you go. Okay. Patrick Henry. You know who Patrick Henry was, of right? Course. The the give me liberty or give me death, right. Patrick Henry. Okay. By the way, if you read that whole speech, it's it's really good. Oh, it's it's amazing. I, I didn't read that until I was forty two years old, but he's it's really good. <laughs> stood on his feet and just spontaneously That's only one one liner yeah. out of like multiple one liners yeah, from that speech. Well, listen to this consistent with who Patrick Henry was. In 1789, during the ratification debates for the U.S. Constitution, right? It was signed September 17th, 1787. And then for almost two more years after that, it had to go back to the 13 states for them to ratify. And there was a lot of dispute, right? A lot of people, including Patrick Henry, were very concerned about giving all of this power to a centralized government. And in, op- in opening the ratification debates in Virginia, Patrick Henry said this very thing, and it goes right to Gary's point. And let me reset it up, which is Gary had just said, the government is acting like it's a business, right? And, and I've heard legislators say the same thing. They talk about it in terms of profit and loss and return on investment as if the government is a business. Patrick Henry said these words. He said, you are not to inquire about how your trade may be increased nor how you are to become a great and powerful people, but how your liberties may be secured. Mm-hmm. For liberty ought to be the direct end of your government, mm-hmm. end quote. Now, if that doesn't speak to this issue, 
But isn't it interesting that even then they knew the the potential fraud that could happen yes. at government, thinking mm-hmm. that it is a business. When you are able to articulate a quote like that, you are you are forward thinking. You're looking ahead. You know the risks that lie ahead if you ever think differently. You know. Uh, so again, when and when I think about generating revenue, and I'm thinking about this legislator, I'm like, you understand that the revenue you you speak of is my money, correct? Yeah, so it's le- tax dollars. I have a question to that. It's like, just revenue. It's money you take. Let's just assume for a second that you are running the government like a business, all right? And you, as a legislator, let's just call you the CEO because you're running things. Day-to-day, you're running Well, that's things. what's happening right now. We have, we have a governor that runs the state of Tennessee like he's the CEO okay. of the Tennessee company. Okay, and so, that we are his employees. And Kevin, I believe well, now, I, I stole that from you, by the way. You <laughs> yes. said that a long now, time Now, wait a minute. Let's just consider he's a CEO running a company. Let's consider where all the where the shareholders. So actually, he we are in reality, but he thinks we're just the employees, right? But we're not. Let's just consider us ourselves the shareholders slash board members. Like you're going to make a f- half a billion dollar in- investment on something that you're going to pitch as a return on investment. Shouldn't that be put to a vote? <laughs> yes. In a business situation, wouldn't that be put to a vote well, it's, by it's, shareholders or by Well, it's going a to board? be there. Well, it's going to be. They're going to that's in the budget which is going to to go up for a vote in our legislature. For yes. the legislators to vote on. That's right. Yeah. And as we know, not the shareholders. Um, well, yeah, exactly. I, see, I get because, your point. Because remember, yeah, the legislators even though they are to be our agents, they're actually agents for other interests. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our agents, in this case, agents of the governor, is mm. is unfortunately right now... See, I that's what Tennesseans, I think, don't understand. When we talk about the Republican Party, my heart hurts because I consider myself a Republican, but I don't consider myself a Republican in terms of the Republican Party in Tennessee. I consider myself a Republican because of what the party platform states. Mm-hmm. And if you read the party platform, then the three of us here at this table would certainly call ourselves a Republican right. by the statements of the platform. The right. problem is, is that we have a party that has completely abandoned its platform. And this party does not operate in the interests of the people. They only oper- operate in the interests of leadership. When you go to the Capitol and you run legislation, which you will find very, very quickly, is that legislation doesn't pass because it's good. It doesn't fail because it's bad. It only passes or fails based on whether or not the speakers have told their minions whether or not this bill will pass or fail. Mm. And it doesn't matter how loudly the people scream and how many phone calls and how much we blast them and put them on notice. At the end of the day, the governor and the speakers of the Senate and the speakers of the House rule the day. And that's the way this party operates, and it ought not be that way. And that's that's been one of my clarion calls as I've gone across the state and spoke to so many people. And I'm excited about 2022 because there are some really key races um, across the state. There has to be a changing of the guard, and we need better leadership because the way it's being led right now, it is being run by a business. It's being run by a, by a top CEO corporate executive who makes the decisions and the people are left holding the bag. And we are in the midst of such a critical time where so many people are hurting and businesses are closing and shuttering and we're spending money like we have it. I'm really concerned as, as to how far we can really go. Um, and, if you know, I know that has to do with um, 
with the Biden administration and other things happening outside. But I, I just I'm crazy enough to think that's why I started Tennessee Stands. I, I literally imagine uh, like we're trying to build the wall against uh, you know the southern border. I literally imagine a physical wall in my mind around Tennessee mm-hmm. because I don't like I've said this so many times. We can't control the White House. We can't control California. But I have to believe if we are to preserve freedom for our families, we have to build that that spiritual, mental wall yep. around our state and hold the line and guard what we know to be right and true. And I, I believe if there's any state that right now is structured to do so, has the foundation to do so, and has the people to do so, it's Tennessee. We just need enough people to recognize it and be willing to stand on that principle and fight for it. Yeah, you're you're exactly right when you talk about the people. There are clearly enough people who understand what is at stake. There are enough people who understand the foundations of liberty and order. You hit the nail on the head, Gary, when you explained, and we've talked about it before, we don't even have a representative government. That's the problem. We don't just need new leaders. We actually need representatives of the people. Right now, the Republican majority no longer represents the people. And we've seen this over and over and over again. We get so many people to go up to the legislature and to tell them how they feel. And it's as if they weren't there. I mean, this, this is how blatant, arrogant, unconcerned the legislature is. And we need to make them concerned which is why we're, we're really grateful for who is running and the number of people that are running across this state. Um, we've got to hold the line. I want to add something funny, though. Important, but funny. As we're talking about these Republicans who don't represent the people and who don't uphold the Republican platform, historically, we have come to call them rhinos, right? Republicans in name only. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're talking here, I got to thinking, well, maybe they need a corollary, or there is a corollary to that name, we would call them DIRAs, D-I-R-A. Any idea what that acronym stands for? Democrats in... You're close. Keep going. Um, Republican... <laughs> no. Oh. Attire. <clears throat> Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. No. John, John I thought you were going to get it. You uh, got the first close. two. Democrats in reality, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> or leftists. We could call them Lira. Leftists in reality, actually. Okay. Nice. So they're not just rhinos. They're deeras and liras. Deeras and liras. Because all of their actions, every every cause that they advocate and champion is against us, the people who put them in office. When Fox News and Newsmax and all, they all start using those terms. Just remember, you heard that here first. That <laughs> Lira happened here and first. Deera. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the only other thing I had on that same subject, back to where we were federally, is a lot of people talk about when you raise the argument about why inflation is happening, a lot of people talk about on the administration side of things, and this is what you hear um, the press secretary famous for saying that, but there's 6,000 permits out there. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And and why is that not, maybe the truth, but why is that not actuality? Like it's, there's 6,000 permits out there, but why why is that not helping us in any way? Well, first of all, I'm not an oil expert, but I do have um, some history in the oil business and the family. <clears throat> and I've also read about it, but kind of like the Holiday Inn Express ads, right? Yeah. I'm not an expert. However, from my understanding of reading that issue, because you're right, John, 
the left always <laughs> nobody thinks originally there's been a talking point that's been offered whether it's from obama or one of his minions down to all of the obama administration uh, there i said it the biden administration <laughs> That that is the reply to give. Well, there's thousands and thousands of permits, and they're not drilling. So well, it's the oil company's fault. Yeah. So here's here's what you've got to remember. First of all, the government has stopped permits. So for them to say there's all these permits over here, that doesn't justify why you should cut off new permits. But the other reason is every oil um, well that is drilled has a cost-benefit analysis done, as any good business person would do. Sure. And so you seek permits in advance to be able to stake out your claims, and then you have to go at them one at a time to determine which ones are going to be most profitable. And which ones are most profitable is a factor of the marketplace. It's a factor of where you're going to be able to get labor. Well, this is all tied together, right? If your labor is too expensive to get them to the site to drill, you can't then blame it on the oil company for not drilling when the government has made it more expensive to hire people to drill. Mm. So yeah. that's that's a really simplified answer. But the bottom line is that's obfuscation by the government. They're always trying to make something sound like it's a good thing when it's actually a bad thing to put the blame on someone else. But there's many factors which any private company has to take into consideration before they follow through with the drilling. By the way, one of which is overregulation. It's not as simple as to say, oh, you've got a permit, now drill. Well, no. I have to fit, count the cost of complying with all of these environmental regulations. Mm. We can't even drill the way we used to drill. We're the cleanest drilling country in the world, and yet we still make it almost impossible, deliberately so, for these guys to drill. That issue is near and dear to me partially because I'm, I'm originally from uh, South Louisiana, and almost all of my family, I grew up, my my dad, my father-in-law, I mean, my brother-in-law, you know, everyone close to me actually works in the oil industry. It's just kind of standard down there. And one of the reasons here in Tennessee that I'm, I got so angry and I'm so vehemently against this billion-dollar boondoggle to Ford to build this blue oval city in West Tennessee is because I watched my home state of Louisiana pick the winners and losers and watch them suffer for it. Mm -hmm. So when you really study Louisiana, the sad thing is it's last. I mean, I hate talking about my home state this way, but it's it's a horrible, horrible place. I mean, the infrastructure is crumbling. I, I joke that when I go home and I'm driving, I, I hit the same potholes that I hit mm -hmm. whenever I was a teenager driving to high school, yeah. you know? So infrastructure is crumbling. When you when I drive around my hometown, things aren't preserved and beautiful and lovely. Everything old just gets older, and nothing new takes its place. And um, education, I think we're I've, if we're not last, we're we're second to last, only beat by Mississippi. I mean, it's a horrible situation. The reason is this: Louisiana is incredibly rich. Super wealthy in natural resources, especially oil. But what they've done over the years through corrupt politicians, some of the most corrupt politicians, is while they're getting paid off on the side, the people believe the lie that all of these oil companies deserve these lavish tax breaks and subsidies in the name of job growth. Give them all of the tax subsidies because at least they're providing jobs for all of our families. The, but the truth is, if 
oil companies were actually paying any remotely close amount of corporate taxes that they should be paying that every other industry pays into Louisiana. Louisiana would be one of the most wealthy states in the country. And all of that wealth now that should be pouring into Louisiana is going everywhere else. And dare I say, most likely with the way the oil industry is, it's probably going overseas. It's not even it's not even staying in the in the United States. So, you know, these policies that pick winners and losers and subsidize large corporate interest in the name of job growth always get under my skin because I've watched how those, how those policies have killed and robbed generations and robbed my state of great infrastructure and great education and great opportunities for everyone across every industry, all to, you know, at the lie of, well, you know, job growth. Uh, it's, it's such, it's a travesty the way, again, like you, you were saying earlier, Kevin, we, we pick the winners and losers. That's, that's never been the way this was supposed to work. Right. It dis- it distorts yeah. the marketplace. Absolutely distorts it. And it and it always hurts the poorest among us. So here are these government frauds claiming to be for the poor, claiming that the reason they're doing making their decisions is for the poor. But the reality is the government interrupting the marketplace and disrupting the natural flow of the marketplace always ends up hurting the poorest among us the most. And Gary's example in in Louisiana, but I think there's a great transition maybe to bring this to a conclusion. If you go back to the stadium discussion, Ford and all of the Tennessee favors Amazon, when, when governments give tax breaks to businesses to come in, they're not giving tax breaks to the people they're giving tax breaks to a few select individuals who own mm-hmm. these companies <clears throat> to be able to come in and to enslave yeah, but the now whole the, population. But now the people have jobs, <clears throat> though, Kevin. Jobs they as jobs. slaves, jobs at minimum wage, jobs where they have to wear masks and take jobs a jab. Jobs where you have to get a jab. You yeah, know. you have to give up your freedom to be able to work for these companies. Yeah, yeah it's outrageous. Do you understand how nefarious that is? <clears throat> you just, the fact that we will subsidize companies to come in and force employees per private property rights via my tax dollars to get a jab, but then won't pass a law to make mm-hmm. sure that you protect my liberty while I'm paying them through my tax money to force me to get a jab just so I can have a job. But food. that is a vicious cycle. It is. And that's why we call them liras. Leftists in reality, actually, or Deeras, Democrats we in reality, We have TC Mitts, we have Liras, we're coming up with Kevin's our own thing Kevin's determined here. to make that stick. It's going to stick. It's going to be a thing. Uh, all right, well, we're out of time, but uh, Joe Rogan's always always welcome. Always. And uh, ratings and reviews help. And um, I will add one thing. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Uh, my dad owns a couple Chick-fil-A's in the area, and he's hiring like 16-year-olds right now at like $15, $16 an hour. Wow. I worked for him way back in the day when I was younger and I, I like for like seven years, I never even made close to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it, that's anyway. his own flesh and blood. Know, right? <laughs> How horrible. Anyway, if John's not here next Friday, it's because he's working it's, at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, it's because right. my dad took me out because he listened to the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Till next week, guys. Thanks guys. Thanks. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, 
or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. <laughs>